You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And we are back again for yet another edition of this awesome podcast. I mean... Is this not just the best podcast you listen to? That's amazeballs. Do you even listen to it, actually? Amazeballs. <laughs> Do you listen hey, to but the that's podcast? Like, yeah, of course I listen to it. I listen to every episode. Because okay. I love the cinema. I knew that it was actually going in that direction. Uh, we have Cool Waza in the building. I actually forgot, like just now when we were talking before recording, you mentioned your real name. And I was like, yeah, I actually forgot that that's your actual it's name. It's crazy, right? Ow. You <laughs> are cool, Waza. Like, I don't we know. Even when people ask me, do you know Shingy? I'll be like, whoop. Who's Shingy? That's just the other name that I go by. Yeah. From time to time. Yeah. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> so today we are talking about something that, again, seems very basic. The last episode we tackled the issue of faith and I guess this is kind of an extension of that but we're talking about what it actually means to be a follower of Christ and seeing as you are probably a Christian well or not maybe you're a seeker listening to this you probably think you know what it means to follow Christ or you have an idea or you should have more than just an idea Um, but we're going to dissect it a bit today maybe you'll learn something new maybe you'll be challenged in your thinking maybe it'll be a bit different from what you thought it is. So, yeah, following Christ. The example of Christ, especially. Like, mm-hmm. just the way that he lived his life. And a lot of people grapple with that. Like, are we actually supposed to live, like, the way that he lived? Like, dude had, he didn't like nice things. He was <laughs> chilled on. <laughs> he wasn't driving the best, I don't know, carriage <laughs> at the time. So, <laughs> how come us as Christians today... Still think it's cool to, you know, go after physical things when the example we were given was someone who was just not even about that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Funny thing. On Sunday, uh, I was hanging with some guys and had a very interesting conversation with, uh, with, with this guy, mm-hmm. Captain Awesome. Captain Awesome from yeah. ZFM. Yeah. yeah. Cool guy. Awesome. Cool guy. So we met for the first time on Sunday and we're pretty good buddies now. It's, you met him? It's quite crazy Sorry, how that happens. Uh, anyway, so we're talking about Jesus. Where right? did you see him? On yeah 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 way yeah, yeah. I walk away is not important. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's it. actually I met him at Carl's Carl's new place. Uh, this guy called Carl who's oh, running like this really like dope meat joint. Oh, okay. And yeah, so Carl, that's some free free advertising for you there. <laughs> uh, but so we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> he asked me a very interesting question. He says, "Do you think Jesus was a good carpenter?" <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that is the, that is like the strangest <laughs> question, but I guess as we're talking about this, do you think Jesus was like this really dope carpenter? Did he do everything excellently, or was oh, he just like, like an average? Or was he was just like an average carpenter, so that he could fit in with everyone? And you know, I'm just I, anyway. Yeah, random question. Yeah. And of course, and that's like your industry, right? (laughs) You see a lot of that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. When you look at the life of Jesus, what's amazing for me is that you find people who are um, Mm non-Christians, philosophers, thinkers, all kinds of people will look at the life of Jesus and admire how he lived his life, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The the 
convictions that he had, the, his moral standard, and what he taught. But the difference, I think it was Mo, not Muhammad, what's his name? Mahatma Gandhi. Did you who said, say <laughs> No, stop. No way. <laughs> like, like, that's like from that's left field. I said, guys, that's the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> no, not that guy. Um, Mahatma Gandhi said, I love their Christ but I don't like their Christian, mm. Mm. right? And he was just talking about how the life of Christ um, resembled so much, was really seen as the epitome of, you know, what, what a leader or a, I guess the ultimate human being is supposed to be like. Yeah. So, you know, just, um, I guess, tagging on what T-Mike asked earlier, that are we really supposed to, fo- does following Christ mean that we're supposed to literally follow everything that he did because man that's a tall order you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah so <clears throat> yeah that, that 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 that's a tricky one because uh following christ uh okay what exactly does it mean does it mean that you uh leave everything you're doing and uh literally do what the disciples did follow him wherever mm-hmm. he goes is where you go and so on yeah um i don't believe that's exactly how it should be although uh in terms of what it means to be a disciple, right? A disciple is learning from his master. Mm-hmm. And really, following Christ's example is very difficult if you're only looking at him through the, what can I call it, through the lens of Scripture. Because that's a life that was lived in a fixed location over a fixed period of time in a very uh, specific way. So if you're going to follow him in that sense, it can be very difficult. But I think the meaning of following Christ is to follow his way. So guys were called followers of the way. If you, I think that's in Acts. Yeah. That was their first, uh, before they were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. Because there was this way of life that was like typical of Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that in Acts <clears throat> 2.42. And so that's mainly that, to, to have a lifestyle like that of Christ. To, uh, so you had these wristbands what would jesus do you know yeah. wwjd yeah. so every time you get into a situation hmm what would jesus do i had one you know yeah, exactly <laughs> but then jesus never went for a tender even there with a carpenter i don't think there were tenders at the time <laughs> <laughs> you know like we're sending your rfq man you know like we're sending a coach bring a proposal you want to you know what i mean yeah <laughs> just wasn't yeah this, so, like, what would Jesus do is not quite what you, you think, okay, he's never done a tent, but do I pay the bribe or not? What would Jesus do? Jesus would not pay the bribe. So I'm going to do what Jesus wouldn't, would not do, or I will not do what Jesus would not do. Right. Uh, you know, uh-huh. so that's the idea, I guess. Um, that's, the, I think, what, what I understand by that, what people ought to understand by uh, following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that thing that we do grapple with that... Um was he a good commenter or not? Like striving for career success in that way when he was actually calling people away from their professions. Although in the same breath, he did help them um, when he helped Peter get that huge catch of fish. Yes. I mean... I mean, that's helping him in his profession, you could say. But then soon after that, he's like, follow me, leave all of this behind. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that we all grapple with. Like, am I supposed to, is like full-time ministry the only way to really follow Christ? Mm. Or can I just do what I'm doing and just make sure I, I don't do anything illegal? Yeah. <laughs> well, <So. laughs> unethical. Yeah, I mean, with Peter, 
<clears throat> and, the, and those guys. So it's not just being, you see, with a lot of people's focus is on what they're being called away from. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there was a calling to something. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make you fishers of men. Yes. You're not just going to follow me around and you're just going to have pizza. And, hey, so what are you doing? Right. Yeah, you're yeah. on social media all the time. Yeah. Yeah, there's actual work to do. And whatever you've been doing before, you're going to do on a larger scale and with greater significance because mm-hmm. there's going to be people you're dealing with and it's yeah. going to have eternal ramifications. Mm-hmm. So what Jesus did there, I'll, I'll just think for Peter, that specific case was because if you read your Bible very, very carefully, you find that Peter had been called before already. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you look at the John account, he was actually called around about the same time as uh, Nathaniel or something <clears> like that. But then <clears throat> guys were in and then were out. So he had kind of gone back to what he was doing. And then when he caught that big catch, yeah. because that's when he fell on, you know, to his knees and said, you know, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Mm-hmm. That was his reaction. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't like, <clears throat> hey, thank you, Jesus. High five. Well yeah. done. You know, <laughs> now I can go and sell so much. Yeah. Yeah. But he realized, oh, my goodness, this guy is showing me that, look, if I want to get into your area of life, I can make you so prosperous. But that's not the whole point of it. And I'm calling you to something greater. It's not because I'm calling you to something because, you know, I'm jealous of what you or or, you know, I want to take away from you. I can if this is what you want to do, I can make you so rich or whatever but is this really what you want to do mm-hmm. so for, for for Peter it was a wake up call that like oh my gosh if this guy says follow me and you know he can do this for me and all that I think I'm better off following him yeah and yeah. it's very interesting because he kneels before him and says go away from me you know I'm a, I'm, I'm a sinner I'm a sinful oh, wow. man, yeah. <laughs> you're kneeling before him why not you go away from him and run away but there's that, that, that attractiveness about Jesus or that attraction that he carried or that he had when he said follow me you, you see guys like Matthew, they were sitting there at the booth, tax booth, and then he just comes and says, follow me, you know, and yeah. then guy leaves everything and follows Jesus. Mm. Pretty much like what happened with Elijah and Elisha, you know, Elijah just comes and strikes the guy with his mantle and then walks away. Mm. And then this guy says, hey, let me go and uh, do a party and kill my beast and, uh, you know, say goodbye mm. to my parents. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's he, he was captivating and magnetic, not in your celebrity sense, but in a, Jesus, unique, only he could do that sense, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Have you watched The Chosen? We were talking about that, but you were late, so you didn't hear the conversation. Anyway, yeah. you just wanted you just wanted to say that, right? For once, I was that, early, guys. For once, there we go. It's okay. That one time. It's okay, that one time. That one time. Um, so, I love how they did The Chosen. I've always, I've always kind of had an issue with a lot of Jesus movies because I'm just like, okay, seriously, seriously guys. Uh, you know what? They, they're just so cheesy, a lot, a lot yeah, of them, right? Yeah, true. Um, the Passion, I, I can't watch too many times. I think I watched it like twice, then I was like, I'm done. I, it's just too much for me. Yeah, yeah. So The Chosen kind of, I, I love the way that they kind of tried to bring context yeah. to it and to the life of Jesus, to what was actually going on in the lives of the different people <clears throat> mm. in the story and stuff. They had debts to pay. Yes, they, you know, fun. like real people who had real like issues, right? Yeah. Um, I love that. Uh, of course, you know, I, I've always had an issue with the whole portrayal of Jesus as this white guy with long hair. And, and I just need to say that. Um, I don't really, I don't think it was a black guy either. We, we need to be careful about that as well. Um, <laughs> but um, when we look at, at his life and at what he represented, I think <clears throat> this whole idea of leave all these things and, yeah. and follow me. Yeah. I think sometimes why it gets a little daunting is that we, we look at that and think, okay, so... 
does that mean that I have to let go of my career? Mm-hmm. You know, you're an actuarial, what, what, all those clever things that you do. Does that mean following, does following Jesus mean that you have to, to, to leave that? Yeah. Does that mean I have to stop pursuing business or whatever? You, you know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. those are some of the things that people think about that. Does following Jesus mean that I have to be ready to get sent off to Afghanistan to, yeah. to, preach, the, to preach the gospel there? Yeah. And so what does it mean for a real person living in the 21st century in the world we're living in today? What does following Jesus look like? Yeah, that's a good... I think we shouldn't sugarcoat it, sugarcoat like Jesus said. So in terms of being, you know, doing everything and all that, career, <clears throat> jobs, um, hobbies, you know, marriage, all these things, um, are all good, but there has to be a readiness to leave all. It doesn't mean that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be called to do that all the time. So there's the mm-hmm. rich young ruler... <clears throat> And everyone kind of thinks about the rich young ruler as the benchmark of what it means to follow Jesus and what he demands of you. Mm-hmm. You know, go sell everything, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. Because yeah. Jesus wants this ragtag band of very poor people with nothing else to do but uh, uh, to follow him and call other people to follow <laughs> him as well and be as miserable as themselves, you know? <laughs> so, the, you know, there can be that kind of uh, a view of him. Um but that's not what he has come to do. In, in Luke 14, he said to the crowds that were following him, because, you know, like following Jesus wasn't as bad as, you know, we probably think it could possibly have been. He had these crowds following him all the time. They're doing these crazy miracles. He was popular. Everywhere they went, they didn't have time to eat because people were coming from left, right and center. So they were celebrities, really, uh, you know, being with Jesus. And, you know, every time talking about it, you know, about his death to his disciples, they would argue about who the greatest was because they were basically thinking, if he dies, who's going to take over this large ministry? Who's going to mm. be the one? So I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. So, so it wasn't as bland and as sad as people want to make it out. But the crowds were following and in Luke 14, he said, look guys, if you cannot hate your mother and your father, your children, your spouse, Yo. in fact, hate <laughs> your own life, you cannot follow me. He didn't say you'll find it difficult. You, you can try, but it'll be really hard. He said, you cannot be my disciple. I have to be first. I have to be the best. I have to be everything. However, if you lose your life, you will gain it. So that's, I, I guess, I don't know if that answers the question to say, what does that mean for everybody? It will mean different things for different people. Someone will be called to go to Afghanistan against their will or told to come back from the diaspora to Zimbabwe where they had their cushy job and everything, and then they'll come back to Zimbabwe, where things are basically, uh, let's just say, different <laughs> to what they may have experienced, you know. And that is a possibility. Following Jesus means a willingness to do whatever he tells you. Uh, and that, I think, is difficult in, a, in an era where having people tell you what to do is the last thing you want because we are free, you know, no one tells me what to do. There's a democracy. <laughs> Who's, who died and made you king? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I died and I became king. That's exactly <laughs> what Jesus is saying, yeah. you know. So that I think for, for anyone and everyone, that's the call. It's, there's a cost to it. There's no running away from that. But it doesn't mean, therefore, that you leave absolutely everything and you become poor. And for some people, the call of Christ means uh, you're called to become a fisher of many United States dollars, millions of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 Yes, this, this, uh, this gets exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> this is about one here. 
but part, some of it can be like you end up being like Mother Teresa. And the key is what is the call? What has he called you to do? So, in one of my messages, recent messages, I, I shared from Psalm one thirty nine verse sixteen that says that every one of our days was written in a book before it came to be. Mm-hmm. So in that in that in that book is your assignment basically. And um, I was just challenging people that guys, uh, the assignment should be above all. You know, our desire for comfort, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So the circumstances of the call should de- de- should determine what the life of following Jesus should look like. Mm-hmm. And if you're called to be this mega rich person uh, meeting the needs of many poor people, that is supposed to be the consequence of following Jesus. You know, not as a, as the holy grail of the kind of life I want to live. If I become a Christian, I'll have a house with a helipad and I'll have cars <laughs> in my driveway because Jesus made Abraham rich with gold, silver. I'm Abraham's seed, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. That's not the focus. That's not the goal. The goal is what has been written about me. And if that, what has been written about me, leads me to have a house with a, with a helipad, okay, fine. But if it leads me to the slums with the poorest of the poor, that should be fine as well. Mm. That's yeah. actually very profound. Wow. I want to read a quote quickly, um, T-Mac, before you come in. Um, it's a C.S. Lewis quote. I read this. I came across this quote when I was reading uh, C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, mm. uh, one of my all-time favorites. Um, this quote, he says, There are no real personalities apart from God. Until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real you will not have a real self. Sameness is to be found most among the most natural men, not among those who surrender to Christ. Mm. Then he says, how monotonously alike are all the tyrants and conquerors. Mm. No, no, he says, how monotonously alike all the great tyrants and conquerors have been, but gloriously different are the saints. Mm. And I just thought, wow, you know, I just thought of that as, as we're speaking, you know. I remember actually marking that in the book when I read it. <clears throat> and he's basically talking about how um, serving God doesn't mean that we're all going to be like this cookie. Look, look that we're coming from this cookie cutter or whatever, yeah. but that we're all going to express God in different ways. Yeah. Um, and he actually um, distinguishes that from, you know, all the worldly people, all your tyrants, all the, you know, just if you look at all the, worldly personalities you see this common thread that yeah. everybody kind of looks similar they've got they, they possess these traits that are very similar and, and yet when you look at the saints and the people who followed god mm. it's all these you know different expressions and all all this uniqueness that you see so i'm, I'm just thinking about that as, you, as you've been um talking yeah. that wow it's actually very true that it doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to do the same thing. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, unfortunately, <clears throat> as it's portrayed in the Bible, it does tend to look like, you know, these guys just, they were just always serious. And yeah. there was just like all this serious stuff going on. And Jesus oh, yeah. was this stern-faced guy who was just like, guys, business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about business. So I think that's, that's what probably scares people off as well yeah. when, they, when they look at that. Anyway, I just wanted yeah. to... Speaking of business, when... Jesus says that I am about my father's business. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we translate that into our modern lives, like right. today? Because I mean, we all—or not we all—most of us probably work for businesses or yeah. have our own. So, but what does it mean to be about your father's business, okay. our father's business? Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, 
I think first you have to be able to define what the father's business is. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, that quote is very interesting because he says that, did you not know that I have to be about my father's business? Mm-hmm. And his parents did not understand because yeah. they're thinking, okay, your dad is right here. Uh, we've been looking <laughs> for you for three days <laughs> and you will have to be about your father's business. But your father is here saying, where the heck are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So it was a very difficult thing for them to understand. Uh, but his father's business was what? That was being in the house of of the Lord at that time, discussing with the Pharisees and all yeah. that sort of thing. <clears throat> Sorry. And, and, and you know, that, that I think is then what we need to understand from Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, uh, God... Um, created that created us. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared for us in advance to do. Yeah. So those good works that He prepared for us in advance to do, therefore, become the Father's business, mm-hmm. and that becomes our preoccupation. So, firstly, identify that. So I spoke about the scroll uh, or the book that is written about you. There's the generic business and there's the specific. Yeah. So all of us are called to be generous, for example, right? Mm-hmm. That's if you're a Christian, everyone's supposed to be like that, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But then the specifics, you know, like uh, as we, I don't know, from that C.S. Lewis uh, quote, and that's going to look different from one individual to the next. So uh, being about your father's business could be you being someone who encourages people all the time. You've got this gift of encouragement. And sometimes you can see it from spiritual gifts that you get because you're not just given business, you're given the ability to do the business. Right. Mm. And from the abilities, you can tell maybe, okay, this is what I'm about to do or this is what I've been sent to do. Okay, your business is to preach the gospel. You preach to people. You, your business is to evangelize and everywhere you go, people just start weeping. You know, there's guys like that, uh, yeah. women like <laughs> Maria Woodward Etta. She gets to a town. She's miles away from the town. And people, before she arrives, start to weep under the influence of the Holy Spirit wow. while she's miles and miles away. And by the time she gets there, people are ready to give their lives to Christ. She was illiterate. She couldn't reach. She learned how to read the Bible literally from like being taught by God to read. So it, it was like that. But then she, everywhere she went, she was so powerful and had so much impact. But that was her call. You know, someone else is called to minister to the sick, healing power and miracles. Someone else is called to be in the corporate world to shine the light of Christ there. Because wherever there are people, Mm -hmm. the Father's business is go and shine a light. Mm -hmm. And uh, how you shine your light differs from one place to another. You see throughout the history in the Bible, guys like Daniel uh, had a very different way of shining his light to someone like um, okay, like Paul, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different to um, someone like Joseph. They all had very different roles uh, and different ways of outworking what they had been called, as it were, to do. Mm-hmm. So really, I don't know if that answers the question, really, to mm-hmm. say, okay. yeah, uh, that the the father's business is two pronged. There's the general go ye into all the world, make disciples of all the world. But how does that look? Uh, what part of that do you do? Who's sowing? Who's reaping? You know, who's muchekats are harvesting? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know. After you, someone else has sown, someone else comes to water. That's what Paul said. You know, I have sown, Apollos has watered, but God gives the growth. Yeah. So everyone's got their role to play. Find out what your role is. And then be as obsessed as Jesus was about his role in the father's business. You mentioned the general and the specific. Yeah. Interesting. I think that there's something, yeah, it's actually a very good way of classifying that. So my concern mm-hmm. 
observation. Mm -hmm. Just looking at the way we are today in our society, I often wonder that are we thinking about that actively as Christians? Mm -hmm. Are we thinking about the fact that there is the general calling that we all have, which is, you know, to, to preach the gospel, to love people, all those things that apply to every Christian. Then, of course, you uh, refer to the specific things that we ought to do. The temptation is to often think that, you know, when you think of the specific things that God has called us to do, we think of the glorious, glamorous things, right? Yeah. We think I'm going to start some big ministry and I'm going to have this huge following. I'm going to become this mighty man of God or this mighty woman of God. or I'm going to yeah. do it big in business and build this empire. Yeah. Um, and we, we tend to think along those lines when we think of the specific things that God has called us to do. Mm. And I'm just wondering that, um, are we thinking about, number one, in, in the general sense, how many of us are really actively thinking that, you know what, God has called me as a Christian to be a good neighbor, mm. right? Mm. To be the light wherever I'm at. Yeah. Are we actively thinking about that? Then secondly, are we actually thinking about the specific things that God has called us to do to say, you know, what what is the gift that God has given me and what is the thing, the specific thing that he wants me to do? You know, or are we, have we become so, so um, used to doing church and to the routines of life yeah. that it's like, you know, I just do church, I do what I do, got to raise my kids. And of course, I know that, you know, raising kids is in itself a calling of some sort. But I'm just yeah. saying that, you know, are those things, are, are we actively thinking about what it means to be about our father's business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a deep question. And I'm having to apply that question to myself as well. Um, I'll, I'll, t I'll let you know some other time <laughs> what the answer is. But uh, I think from my own perspective, the pandemic has really hit us hard in this, in this, in, 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 uh, in this area where we, we, we found ourselves preoccupied with a lot of the kind of things that even if we're not talking about infections or just like, uh, are you vaxxed or not? And all these kind of other conspiracy theories and all these things. Away from that is just what that has brought into people's lives of becoming insular, isolating, yeah. keeping away from people. And church is very much counter that. And, you know, once you're away from that, that focus, the, that question that you ask, we are in community right now, mm -hmm. can only get raised in community. Mm. Can get, only get raised right. when, like we're saying, okay, on Sunday we were listening to a message about knowing what your spiritual gifts are. Uh, so uh, what do you think about that? What's your spiritual gift? Let's do a spiritual gift questionnaire. You know, mm -hmm. uh, what do you think my spiritual gift is? You've been observing me. You know what I mean? Those yeah. kind of interactions got halted. And, you know, now it's it's almost like talking. It's like you, you're talking about God in a way that it feels like something foreign, something different, something mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, that thing that we used to do, mm -hmm. the Christian thing. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, what? Uh, serving God with my gifts doing what he wants me to do, following him. And it becomes like this conversation that we used to have, but now I've forgotten and we're rusty and we need to have that conversation You're again. So, so right. yeah. that, that's how it feels a lot mm -hmm. when, I, you know, when, I, when I interact with people in general. I think that's, that's really affected uh, us a, a lot. I think that we need to be having that kind of a conversation even more as the day, days, uh, the, the day of the Lord grows near to say that when we stand before the Lord, you know, uh, I know that scripture that says books were opened, you know, um, and those books will have 
the things that we did, you know. And if you're a Christian, uh, it would not be to find out all the nasty things that you did and, oh, look, you did that. But, okay, so what exactly did you do that deserves, so that we can give you a reward? Um, I need some tipex in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Eh? <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay. Mm, Shingi. Ah, all right. You know, so that's going to be an interesting time. Mm. Uh, and, and we need to be thinking like that all the time. Yeah. You know, Paul lived like that. Uh, I sure. remember John Piper said something like, uh, Paul lived on the edge of eternity, you know. Uh, always exactly. thinking about how his every moment would affect his eternity. Mm. Uh, what, what I'm doing now, how I'm living in the light of eternity. Yeah. yeah. And if we did a lot of that more, quite a lot of the things that we concern and worry ourselves about would fall away. Mm. See, Manchester fans, do you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that was like yo. below, below yo. the belt. Yo. 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 Like yo. below the equator. Ish. <laughs> you need to relax. Where's the love, guys? Huh? <laughs> the burn, the burn, the burn. <laughs> No, I I definitely agree with what you're saying. And for sure, not being able to meet and be around other like-minded people does, well, for me anyway, it has had an effect. And yeah, interacting online is just not the same. Yeah. It's really just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. You you read a lot about God's Generals. I think that there's actually that book, that God's Generals book. But you you read a lot about all these different um, personalities that were used by God, either biblical characters or just, you know, characters in history, people who did some crazy stuff for God or people who were willing to to give it all up for God. And, I, you know, even some of the people who came here, I know there's a big conversation right now about um, colonization and how the Bible was used to colonize Africa. And part of what we forget is the fact that the people who left everything mm. to bring the gospel here, they had no agenda. They had no you know, colonial agenda. Of course, that th- there were people who, who who did that too. But I'm just saying, you know, there's all these different people who were willing to to give up everything to follow God yeah. Yeah. throughout history. Yeah. And I, I often find myself thinking, um, has our generation become too comfortable? Have we become too, I don't know, man, too soft? It's like, yeah. we have all these comforts. It's like, you know, we go to church, there's all these lights and yeah. band and we go there in our skinny jeans and we're looking all fresh and of course it's a different generation different times but i'm just thinking hasn't all that stuff distorted our um, our view of serving god and following god in some sense yes but i would say it comes from a distortion of our view of god in the first place because one of the things that you're finding more and more in our culture is uh god is being shaped more and more in the image of the people that view him so he's he's not you know the fact that hell exists is a big issue for a lot of christians mm-hmm. genuine christians guy who's very sound in theology and say i just don't understand how a loving god could have a place where he's going to burn and torment people forever and ever mm-hmm. for example so that cannot possibly be true then you've got this thing that's going around called deconstruction. Oh, um, I don't know if you've heard about that. Yep. Yeah, where people are basically deconstructing their old view of God, classic view of God, fundamentalist God, a view of God who's yeah, angry all the time. Dogs, it's ETC, ETC. Now he's a soft God who doesn't care whether you are a feminist or you are... Uh, Enter-progressive you know, Christianity. Are, yeah, you are... <laughs> Or, or, you know, you, you you straddle all the letters of the alphabet, if you know what I'm talking about, yeah. you know, from the L to the G to the B to the whatever. 
you know, he, he he accepts us all. He welcomes all. It's all about love, you know. And, and, and you know, even if you, you know, Jesus, he, he doesn't mind. It's your body. You do what you want with it. And there's that vision of Jesus or that image of Jesus that is being created. Mm-hmm. And therefore... Uh, we become soft and whatever because the God that you have it will determine the kind of life uh, in that God that you do you know end up having uh, or end up experiencing. Mm. So the God then who will come and say, uh, Abraham, uh, you know that son, that one son that you love? Uh, yeah, God, I do know him. His name is Isaac. Yes, I would like you to sacrifice him to me. You know, and uh, not to say, ah, but the God that I believe in would never say that. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jesus of the Bible would never do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard mm-hmm. people say things yeah. like that. Oh, man, I've been, sure. I've been in arguments with yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just open your Bible and then, you know, I'll, I'll show you the Jesus with the whip and, and you know, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know... You, uh, and and you have that experience and you have Abraham doing what he has been told to do, not because get the behind me Satan, it's like he knows God's voice mm-hmm. and he has a relationship with God, which is what I want to go to, is what kind of God do people know? It's a God in the pages of a book. Mm. There's no relationship, there's no experience. So you can't become comfortable with a guy who's really not someone that actually is alive, is a story, you know, yes. is this guy that we lift up our hands, maybe you can feel a bit, tingly here and there but really that's as good as it gets does mm. he come to you into your living room does he invade your space does he get to talk to you you know do you experience him living in your etc all that kind of stuff i i feel that's what's missing right in a lot of our christianity now and therefore everything else will just kind of follow because if he's there and he's an idea almost yeah then you know, pretty much it's malleable and you know changes from one generation to another sure heretic <laughs> So, wow, you know, as you're talking, because I have been looking at um, you know, progressive Christianity. I, I like to watch these things. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I listen to this stuff and I'm like, are you guys crazy? Mm. Like, are you sick in your heads? Mm. Right. And I heard, uh, I think it's Frank Turek. He's a, Frank Turek is a Christian apologist who said progressive Christianity is neither progressive nor Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> right? <It's>, wow. <laughs> and, and I think that is the reality of it, right? It's yeah. like this other animal that they're creating um, and calling it Christianity because it literally goes against everything that the Bible says. Um, If anything, it is predicated on the whole idea of following, doing what you want, right? What pleases you. And we know very well that the person or personality or the entity that has that as his mantra is actually Satan. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. do as thy wilt, yeah. self worship, and and that's really what it's leaning towards. And I and I find that a lot of us, even in a lot of Christians, some of the questions I was having a conversation with some guys earlier today. We we're talking about online church and the importance of you know. So it was a whole argument about how hey, you know, uh, meeting physically is not that important. We can just do church online. Yeah. And then I said, but guys, if we look realistically, right? If we're really honest with ourselves, how many of us here still read our Bibles? How many of us still have a devotional life where you're really following God? Or is it just one of those you watch the sermon on Sunday and you're just like, yeah, whatever, life goes on. And I'm like, you know what? The reality is that, yes, where we can't meet physically, of course, you know, online church comes uh, to supplement that. But you can't ever replace the importance of the church being the church, right? Because of some of those things that you mentioned. And I'm just wondering how much of, of, of that way of thinking 
is becoming influenced by a lot of this uh, way of thinking, you know, that, uh, yeah, Jesus, I, I, I love God. I've got my own relationship with him. Um, and this is what he means to me. Mm-hmm. So my, you, you, my personal yeah, truth. My, yeah. my truth. Exactly. You know what I'm trying to say? Exactly. You don't come here and tell me this. This is how I interpret it. Yeah. And that's a, that's very dangerous grounds to oh, be yeah. standing on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and so you know, once you're on that track, and you know, it's increasingly going to be like that because you know, isolation, uh, it's all about, and then it's all about me, 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 me. You know, there's this uh, verse that I think about a lot, uh, and which really challenges me, and I, I feel like I think that one condemns me quite a bit, or I feel condemnation at it. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs eighteen verse one that says, uh, "The selfish man isolates himself and kicks out against all judgment." So, um, because I'm a bit of an introvert, introverted person, you know, so I kind of think, is it talking about me? (laughs) But, you know, when you think about that, that uh, a person who isolates themselves away from others, you know, ends up kicking out against all sound judgment, is that this whole pandemic thing, isolation, isolation, get into your, you know, just my family. You know, if you don't, if you are not vaxxed, don't come to my house. I'll send you away. You know, there's all that going on. Mm -hmm. It's all, okay, so you isolate yourself. And once you do that, but the nature of that is that you end up, uh, you know, kicking out or pushing against sound judgment, the kind of things that you accepted as truth before and as standard. Now, I'm not so sure about that. You know, yeah. So I'm the way, the truth and the life. What if he's not? What if you get to the end that's of the age? Arrogant, don't and, you yeah, that's yeah. rather arrogant. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, a friend of mine said to me, "Oh, this and it's, 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 you know, Christians are arrogant." I, I thought about it. I thought, "Oh, yeah, but actually, that sounds about right." It's the most arrogant thing to say. I I know the truth. I know the way. And if you don't follow the way, you're lost. You know. And then it 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 just begins to 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 have that, and you get into that humanism. And I just want to come back to what you said earlier about how Satan said, you know, do what thy wilt. Mm. It's actually not a mantra of Satan only, but it's also the mantra of man when he ate of the tree of the you know of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Is the will of God is don't eat of that tree. If you eat of it, you're going to die. Oh, well, I'm going to do it. And eat, you know. So it's even if you took Satan out of the equation yeah. completely. Right. Um, we still would have that do what thy wilt. And that's what the culture goes towards because that's mm-hmm. what's at the core of man. And that's why following Jesus is so hard because now it's no longer what I want. It's what someone else wants. Yeah. And when they want what they want, and I want to live my life, I've got my idea of what I should be like by the age of this, and mm-hmm. I should have done this, I should have achieved that, and all that. And he's coming in and he's saying, uh, bricks, my brick, my friend, my bricks, and then you're doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so difficult to follow Jesus, yeah. I guess, is because yeah. you already have your way. But then he says, I am the way. Many are the plans of the mind of man, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I'm I'm reading <laughs> I'm reading this book right now. <clears throat> Some very dangerous books, it seems. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I'm reading this book by a guy called Sam Sam Albury. Oh yeah. Um, called Seven Myths About Singleness. Yeah. Yes, mm. I'm reading that. Um, Wonder why. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, but phenomenal book. Um, so just some background on Sam Albury. <clears throat> I'd actually recommend that. Um, if you find anything by by him, you should you should check it out. Uh, he's a Christian apologist, uh, was part of the RZIM team, but um, in in the UK. Well, so he's a pastor um, who 
has struggled with same-sex attraction. Mm. Um, and then he chose to remain unmarried and celibate so that he would serve God. Mm. Right. Mm. And like really deep guy. Like, so he, he wrote this book called Seven Myths About Singleness, where he's just talking about what singleness really means. And of course, he talks about, you know, um, what it means, like if you choose to remain single for the rest of your life. And he's actually saying for some of you, that's the, that's what God has called you to do. And I know we, we did an episode on that, yeah. um, on, on this podcast. Uh, just the fact that sometimes God will call you to remain single for the rest of your life. I'm, I'm, I'm not signing up for that. Um, <laughs> or, or, you know, you're well on your way. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Um, or, you know, just the fact that this, there, there's these things that God calls people to do. Yeah. And our society has sort of conditioned us to think in a certain way, right? Yeah. Everyone is expecting that by a certain age, I'm going to get married. Yeah. And he just says, but what if that's not what God has called you to do? Absolutely. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that we accept so glibly, right? Or like, we don't even give it a second thought yeah. just because that's how we've been conditioned to think. Yeah. And and yet maybe God wants you to do something totally different. Yeah. And I'm just saying that to say, um, I think following God, following Christ, especially in the 21st century, is going to mean that we have to really think deeply about how we're, lead, how we're leading our lives. Yeah. It can't just be, you know, this is where everyone is going. Um, so, because Jesus did warn us that the love of many is going to grow cold yeah. and, you know, all these things are going to happen. And I remember Keith actually shared something. Um, there's an, a, a Desiring God article that he shared about the, the days that we're living in, that, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much that is happening that we, we just live life unconsciously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like in the days of Noah, you know, yeah. people were just doing what they were doing. Yeah. And yet God was calling his people. So I'm just saying we, we have to be thinking about that, that, you know, are we his people? Mm. If there's an ark being built somewhere, <laughs> are we going to run to the ark? Or are we, you know, marrying and being given into marriage mm. and and mm. starting businesses? And not that all those things are wrong, but yeah. w with no thought about what God is actually doing. Mm. I Please allow, I'm, this is going to sound like a curveball of sorts. Uh, and I know that we're talking <laughs> about following Jesus, but... Uh, and the Bible does talk about following Jesus in the New Testament um, and, you know, in the, I mean, the New Testament, the, the gospel books. And after that, I think Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But uh, if you look at the design of the Lord, what God intends to do is he doesn't want people just following him. That's just a part of it. What he wants eventually for everyone is uh, us coming to a point where Christ lives his life in and through us yeah. so that we're not actually following him, but that he is living in, mm. in and through us. So we have basically died, you know, um, and I no longer live, but he lives. Yes. Wow. So that's, that, that's the goal, you know, follow me, carry, you know, pick up your cross and, and follow me. And I want to say to someone, just very controversial, I say, but if you're still carrying your cross, there's a problem. Whoa. Because you're oh supposed gosh. to be dead on that cross. Mind you know sure. what I mean? So sure. yeah. Yeah. carrying the cross means you're still alive. Right, can you just go <laughs> <laughs> Like so, that emoji gosh. where the mind is exploding. That is literally what I just I've experienced. Never, I've never thought about that. That happened to me as well when, I, when, when the realization. I never yeah. actually thought about that. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, follow, you know, carry a cross. You're still alive. That's a problem. 
you're supposed to be like Paul says in Galatians 6:14, I've been come crucified to the world, and the world is, is crucified to me. Uh, so he's crucified. He's dead. That's what he's saying. It's done. It's past tense. Now I'm no longer alive. I he lives in me, and therefore following Christ becomes less of something where you're reading a book and looking at steps. Ah, uh, what would he do? A wristband, mm-hmm. but it becomes just how you are mm-hmm. because he is so in you and just and you're so in him that he just lives and you are alive in lost in him. So that's. I know that we're talking about following Christ, but the point I'm, I just want to make is that's the, if I can call it the Holy Grail. We're following yeah. him so that we get to that point. You know, where yeah. of course we, we we won't necessarily be perfectly like in that space. Like Paul, you know, ma- managed to get into that. Sometimes we can feel like, ah, that's, that, I'm, I'm still very much alive. <laughs> I am very much alive. You know, the Lord told me not to do this. I did it anyway. <laughs> I'm alive, guys. <laughs> Flesh and blood. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But the reality, yes, it's a reality and it's a journey that we're on. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what we want to get to. This is the goal. This is, you know, the, the scripture says that he, he predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers in Romans 8.29. So this is the holy grail for God, the that way, he's God. This guy just drops scripture. Yeah, yeah you know, that, that everyone... I, what, and and that's the beauty of it. Like that C.S. Lewis thing said, you know, like um, we are all expressing differently. There's men and women. There's Greeks and barbarians. There's you know, a slave and free. There's yeah. Sean and Debele. But there's such. Uh, when I look at you all, I see my son. Mm-hmm. You know, in all of you. And that's what the following him is supposed to lead us to, yeah. as opposed to this never-ending thing where we are like, okay, so does that mean I must sell my house? Or, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. and, you know, that's not really the goal. The goal is, okay, we all look like him, therefore we just naturally look like, smell like him, the fragrance yeah. of Christ, you know, and mm-hmm. of course the uh, aroma of death to those that will not follow him and so on. But uh, I don't know if that's a curveball. That is. <laughs> that's, Dude, that's yeah. just like, yeah. yeah. It's like so, a mic drop. really like I feel like everyone stop and like rewind back to the point where he started that and listen to it again (laughs) I just don't feel like there's anything else I can say after that that is actually very deep yeah very very deep yeah thanks Kuwaza all our guests who come in here just have this thing with it can I also be a guest yeah Uh, it's up to our producer (laughs) um I have to earn the stripes, huh? Okay, it's no, fine. Yeah, you guys just have such a depth of knowledge and we're so grateful for you. And yeah, just like how Q was just saying, like it's like the word of God is written in your heart the way you just drop scriptures like that. So deep, man. Um, but thank you for helping us look at this topic in a totally different way. I did not think the conversation was going to go there. Actually, I didn't know where it was going to go, but with you, I knew it was going to be interesting. So thank you. Um, that was, well. Yeah. It was, yeah, guys, re-listen to this. I don't think this is a one-listen podcast episode. You need to re-listen to it and really let the word sink in. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kawaza. Thanks, guys. Yeah. It's been real. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut.
Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.